we're going to talk about faith and trust. Um, we've been talking about trust and rest and um, the, the entering into, there is a, a deeper rest that I believe God's leading us into. Um, but it isn't a case of making a single choice, it's more likely making a series of choices every day. And um, I've been saying this, and I'm going to keep repeating myself until hopefully the message sinks in, uh, that radical rest won't come from tinkering around the edges or from making small adjustments. If you want to see a radical shift, you've got to make a radical change. That's just how life works. And um, I'm going to skip some of this stuff, Mark. Okay. Um, yeah, let's just go straight to trust is different to faith. So, this is something that Paul said in uh, New Year. Trust is different to faith. Trust is resting in the Father. Faith is moving in the Father, directing the power. You have to know when to move and when to rest. Each carries its own power. So trust is different to faith. Trust is resting, faith is moving. And I want to explore the difference between them a little bit because I think... Um, it's not always easy to discern the difference. Uh, it's not always easy to work out the difference. But it's clear when you read that we are called a moving faith and also a trust. And they are actually two very different things in the end. Um, but let's start with reminding ourselves about faith. This is probably the one that we know most about because it's the one we've talked most about. Uh, but Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you can pray as much as you like, know the Bible back to front, give your life to help in the poor and needy, but unless you actually have some faith, it's all in vain because it's faith that pleases him. And thankfully though, the grace of God is such you don't have to drum up your faith or find faith from somewhere deep within you because Paul tells us in Romans to think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So you don't have to find faith because you've already been given faith. Everybody has been given a measure of faith. In fact, and that faith came from the Father. In fact, the only way it's even possible for you to trust Jesus and believe in Jesus was because the Father already put faith in your heart. You didn't find some faith to believe in Jesus. You activated the faith that was already there because he already did it all for you. Because not only did he put the faith in your heart, he then sent Jesus for you and all you had to do was activate the faith that was already in you to believe in him. So, uh, so this faith then that pleases the Father is not our faith, it's more his faith that he's lent us, that we've used back to him. Which is why you can never really get proud about your faith, because none of it's yours. <laughs> none of it's yours. Is this in the right place? Oh, okay. Um, so you can never get kind of proud of it, because it doesn't really belong to you anyway. You're just using a gift that somebody gave you. Um, and of course, it's not a faith in you. It's not a faith in your ability, your gift, or your talents. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. It starts in him and is perfected by him. The truth is you have no faith of your own or exercise back towards him. You only have the faith that he put in you that you hopefully have grown. 
Which is comforting because you don't need to worry about whether you have faith. You can be assured that a measure of faith has been given to you by the Father. And of course, all you need is a small measure. Uh, the mustard seed was the smallest seed around in Jesus' day. And according to him, all you need is a mustard seed of faith. And you can seriously alter the geography of a place. Apparently, mountains can appear just with a mustard seed. And of course, your job is to grow that faith because faith is like a muscle and it's got to be used. So if you don't use it, it doesn't grow. But if you do use it, it does grow. And what we've got to learn to do more and more is operate from and with that faith. Because Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we know faith is something which is established in the present. It's a substance, a confidence in something real and definite in the here and now. Hope, on the other hand, has this kind of expectancy concerning things to come. Hope is a desire something might happen. Confidence is, a faith rather, is a confidence it's going to happen. Hope is, well, it might be quite nice if this goes gone. Faith is, this is going to take place. And of course, it only takes place because you actually speak it in the bean. And that's the fascinating thing. So, so you could have sat there this morning and been quiet. Well, you might not have received the peace and stillness that was yours. Because I wanted you to activate your faith on the inside of you to believe that you going peace be still could actually make a difference. Because it can. That's how you grow in faith. You use it, you activate it. Faith, of course, is all about seeing things as God sees them, viewing them through his lens. So faith is ultimately really, really simple. It's seeing and speaking as God sees and speaks. So if you are seeing the world, your own life, all that's going on, as God sees it, you are in faith. If everything you're speaking about is what God would say, you're in faith. If you're not, then you're not. It's just that simple. So we can't so we have moments when we're in faith and moments when we're not because we have times when we see the world and we start going, yes, I can see this, it's good. And then we have times where we get involved in all our self-doubt and all our perplexion. And, and then we, so we kind of jump between the two all the time. But hopefully our sight and our speech are moving more in line and more and more and more the things we are saying, proclaiming and seeing are actually what God is seeing, proclaiming and doing. That's what it means to grow in faith. Romans 4.17 says, God gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So, of course, when we prayed for Michelle just then, I called things that were not as though they were. So a doctor might say, well, her kidney's not functioning. She's not eating for a few days. She, she's not in a good place in Michelle, physically, according to the doctors. But faith goes, no, she's going to be well. I'm proclaiming it. I'm speaking it. I'm saying it because that's what God says. I'm not asking her to be well. I'm saying she is well. Because that's what faith does. Faith doesn't plead that somebody will be better. Faith declares they are better, even though it doesn't look like it. See, when God speaks, he speaks of things which are not as though they actually are, as though they already exist. That's what he did at creation. He says, there was nothing. There was chaos. And then he spoke it, and it got created. And of course, that's exactly what we do. You do that every day for good or for bad. Because what you speak, you create. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So the environment that you live in is to some degree created by you, by your words. The environment that you surround yourself in is created by the, the sounds that have been 
put into that atmosphere. And you know that because you can walk into a home and pick up an atmosphere. And that atmosphere comes from what's spoken in that atmosphere. So if you walk into a home where there's lots of um, dissent, lots of fighting, lots of arguing, you can feel it. If you're spiritually aware, you can feel it. And conversely, if you walk into a home where people are learning to love one another and there's peace flowing and there's forgiveness flowing, not that they get it right all the time, but you can feel that as well. And that's what I think Paul means when he says faith is moving in Jesus, creating and directing the power. That's what faith is. Or to go back to the, the story of the, of the boat, you know, faith is Jesus standing up and going, quiet, be still. And he changes the atmosphere. That's faith. Yeah. Trust, though, is a little bit different. Mark 4, 35 to 38. Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from shore with him as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So it seems that Jesus was calmly sleeping in the midst of a most ferocious storm. And we've often focused on the rest of the story when he moves in faith, commands the window waves to die down, and we're told his disciples are in awe. But the more I reread it, I realized I'm more in awe of a man who can sleep calmly in a ferocious storm in a small boat that's nearly swamped. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I guess I'm kind of used to faith, I'm used to standing up, but the idea that you could be fast asleep in a boat with fishermen who were panicking. You've got to remember, the disciples were fishermen. They were used to the Sea of Galilee and all it could throw at them. But they're panicking while this land boy who grew up in a carpenter's shop is fast asleep. Think about it. But you see, trust. Trust is about learning to be content and to be at peace. Trust is about recognizing you are looked after and cared for even when there is a ferocious storm outside. Trusting in God is learning to rest in the love of God. And you notice Jesus does both. And I wonder, he only awoke for the disciples' sake because they were terrified. I think he could have slept through the whole thing. He had no need to move in faith. He moved in faith for them. And when he says at the end of the story, you have little faith, it's the word faith. But part of me goes, does he mean faith like you could have calmed the wind and the storm? Or does he mean faith as in you could have just been having a kick with me? Yeah. Like you could have just been resting. What are you stressing for? Do you not know that I've got you? Do you not know that I'm with you? Do you not know that you're safe, even in the middle of it? And of course, the answer is no, we don't. <laughs> None of us. We're not there yet. <laughs> and, the, and the disciples were not. But he really did. To trust in God is to choose to believe that he's with you, that he has your best at heart, that he has heard your cry, even when it feels like it's falling on deaf ears, that he sees your pain and he's working to heal it no matter what it looks like. Trust is being rested, peaceful and calm when all around you a storm is raging because you've learned to rest in him. Trust is not letting your heart be troubled, 
as Jesus said in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust also in God, trust also in me. Now that word troubled is really interesting because troubled, it means if I was going to trouble you, I would agitate you. I would cause you inward commotion. I would take away your calmness of mind. You would be disquieted. I would make you restless. I would strike your spirit with fear and dread. I would render you anxious and distressed. And I would perplex your mind by suggesting scruples or doubts. So when he says, don't be troubled, he's talking about all the internal things that are going on, the perplexion, the doubt, the fear, the inward commotion, the lack of calmness, the agitation, the perplexion. Don't be troubled. Trust. To not be troubled, therefore, which Jesus equates with trusting, is to not be agitated, to have inward peace, to be at rest without anxiety and distress, to not be perplexed in our own minds. That's the result of trusting. That sounds like a nice place to live. You see, I think as a church family, generally, we know, we know what faith is. And we've taught faith for ever. And, and most of us understand it, and some of us are getting really good at it. But actually, there is a whole other side of resting and trusting. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I think this is it. We trust him with some of our heart. Parts of our heart. Parts of our lives. And lean not on your own understanding. But of course, that's also our very issue. We do lean on our own understanding all the time. But this is like trust. There's trusting in the Lord, and then there's leaning on your own understanding. They're like two separate things. You can't do both. They are mutually exclusive. And of course, we, we don't really trust that God knows what he's doing. We don't trust in his ways. We don't trust he loves us, cares for us, hears us. And therefore, we fall back on our understanding and then precisely because we try and work it all out with our perspective and our limited knowledge, we end up agitated, restless, anxious, distressed, and perplexed. But it's a fascinating thing because trust does not come instantly. Trust is something that's built. So trust is highly relational. Trust is something that's built between people. So I trust fair partly because I've got 13 years of experience to look back on. I trust Paul, partly because I've got 15 years of experience to look back on. So when you've walked together, you trust that person. And the reason I trust them both is because they've been consistent and faithful towards me. And if they've ever not quite got something right, they've apologized to me and we've rebuilt trust. If, if I've ever felt that we've broken trust, we've been able to rebuild that trust back up again through communicating. And we'll explore our trust is built and rebuilt in the coming weeks. Uh, but for now, I, I want you to just think of the person you trust the most. Who in the world is the person you trust the most? Just have a think about who that person might be. And then have a think about why you trust them. It's probably got something to do with their faithfulness towards you. And their... Uh, long, it's probably not somebody you've known a short time. It's probably somebody you've known a little while. And you have probably had a depth of connection through the sharing of life together. Which is interesting because we trust people 
who are faithful, constant, unchanging, and if they get it wrong, we, 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 we say sorry, we manage to reconnect. But God is faithful, constant, unchanging, and never gets it wrong. And yet, it would be logical to conclude that because of our huge amounts of unrest, anxiety, and perplexion, we don't find it easy to trust. Perhaps that's because of this. Mark 10, 15. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never end away. And of course, receiving the kingdom of God doesn't mean saying yes to Jesus. It means continually receiving everything about the kingdom. This is not a one-off event. This is a continually day-to-day sense of receiving what God's got, receiving who he is, how he is. You see, young children who have had their basic physical, mental, and emotional needs met well don't in general have an issue trusting others. If in their first two or three years, they have been brought up in a secure home, they've had their physical, mental, and emotional needs met, they will generally trust other people. Why would they not? They have no reason to not trust people as far as they know. They look at the people and they've been fed and they've been watered and they've been looked after and they trust other people generally. What you see is if those children don't have that same care, it's a different story. But I'm talking about those who do. They don't try and work it all out. They simply, you know, those little kids just enjoy the good things the day brings. And if the day brings something not so good, they'll be comforted by the embrace of one who loves and cares for them fairly quickly. It won't take long, even if it's been a bad day or they've been hurt or something's happened, it doesn't take long from a go to one who they know is safe and be calmed down and they're on the merry way again. Well, of course, wouldn't it be nice if we could learn to enjoy the good things the day brings? And if the day brings something not so good, that we would allow ourselves to be comforted by the embrace of one who loves and cares for us. Of course, the issue is, we do the opposite of the proverb. We want to work it all out. We're not like little kids who can just trust easily. We want to know. We want to understand. We have lots of questions and lots of doubts and lots of things we want to work out. Some of that is because it's difficult to trust. And, and there's a whole journey of that. But that's not what I'm talking about now. We forget that his ways are higher than ours. We fall into the trap of believing he is a cosmic vending machine who dispenses happy pills at the first sign of a prayer and then get disappointed when it doesn't happen. Perhaps there is a journey to go on of learning again at a deeper level that we are sons and daughters to a father who loves us, who cares for us, who cradles us. And perhaps as we learn to trust, we'll find the rest we are so desperately looking for. Some of this journey into rest is about learning again what it means to be a child to the Father. And that's different for every one of us, and I realize I'm not demeaning the challenges of all that and what that means, I understand. But, but the general point, I think, is this, that in order to enter into some of this rest, there's a new depth to go to of recognizing we are sons and daughters to a beautiful father. And of course, we have to also express that to the world in real practical ways. So we have to 
show people what that means by treating them as Father treats us, by being mothers and fathers, however old we are to those around us, by exhibiting those things. But of course, you can't, you can't be a mother or a father in God until you've learned to be a son or a daughter first. And part of learning to be a son or a daughter is about learning to be a son or a daughter to him as a little one. The other difference between faith and trust is this. You remember Peter when he went walking on the water? You see, he sees Jesus walking past the boat and um, I think it's in Matthew 14 and he says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come out of the boat. And Jesus says, come on then. And he gets out of the boat. And then he starts walking towards Jesus. I think that's faith. Getting out of the boat, that's faith. Staying afloat, that's trust. Because you're already out of the boat. You've already gone, I'm, I'm moving for it. I'm going for it. I'm out of it. Well, now I've got to trust that he's going to keep me in this new place that I find myself. So he's called me out. I'm in a new place. Is he going to keep me in this new place? And I think that's... That's certainly where I find myself. I'm, I'm pretty much okay with him calling me out into a new place. I know, I know he's got me. And if I hear his voice, I'll go for it. I'll do it. But my challenge is then the next day when I'm in this new place, do I believe he's going to keep me in this new place? Or do I waver a little bit at that moment? And I go, okay, this is good. And I'm believing. I'm in faith and I'm moving. But then I've got to stay here now. But just imagine if you dare, if you dare. Imagine a place where he calls you out in faith and then you trust him so much that you don't even question the fact that you're walking on the water. That sounds nice, doesn't it? But I believe that's what he's calling us, to a deeper level of trust because he's going to ask us to do various things individually, corporately, that will move out in faith. And that's going to happen more and more, and we're going to see more and more exciting things. I've no doubt about it. But the question is, can you be kept in that place? Because you've learned to trust him. And some of it will just be, you know. And of course, the beautiful thing about the story about Peter is as soon as Peter starts to sink, what happens? Jesus reaches out and says, and grabs him. So you're never going to sink. I'd just like to walk a bit further every now and again on the wall. I just like, I don't, I don't I, I, you know when you teach kids to walk, I mean you might not, but I've taught four of them to walk, but anyways, and you kind of hold them and then you're like, come on, come on, and, and you walk backwards, so they, they walk further and further and further and further. I want to be like that with Jesus. I want him to go, come on, come on, come on Adam, you can do it son, come on, come on, come on. Don't you want to be like that with him? I don't want him constantly holding my hands out on the water, like I, I want to go, go further back, Jesus, I'm going to run now. That's what I want to be. I want to be in that place of trust that actually he's got me no matter where he calls me or what he calls me to do. He's got me that peace, that security, that sense of, oh, he's just got me and it's all going to be all right. I want to learn to sleep in the middle of a storm. And I believe he's calling us there. And we're going to talk more about it. I realize there's nothing practical in this, which is not really like me. But um, we're going to get on to how you what it means to build trust and relationally together with Jesus, what it means to rebuild trust when trust is broken. We're going to get on to all that sort of stuff. But for now, I just want you to get that picture. Okay. 
Where, where are you at in faith and where are you at in trust? And what does it mean for you to just go, okay? In fact, just right now, right now, let's have a little ponder. What is it that you don't need to have faith for, but you need to trust him with? What is it that you need to just be at rest in? You've prayed, you've declared, you've done all that stuff. What is it that you need to be at rest in right now? And just tell him about it. Just let him know, all right, Lord, I want to trust you in this. I'm asking that I'm, and not that you're going to stop praying and declaring, but, you know, because often when we, when we kind of get, when I get up anywhere and I'm praying, I'm like, faith rises up and I'm like, it feels good and I'm there. But then I'll start doing something else and a, a little thought will just come in my mind sometimes. And that's when I get caught. I don't want those little thoughts to come in. I want to trust him, that he's going. So, Father, we just, we just say, Lord, as a family, Lord, we want to learn more and more what it is to trust you, Father. What it is to rest, cradled in the arms of a good father. Learning that you are always working all things out for our good. Father, we thank you for all you've taught us about faith, all you've taught us about getting out of the boat. But Father, we want to walk further on the water without sinking. And Father, we are asking that as we go through these next weeks and months, Father, that we would just learn to rest more in who you are. Rest more in your love and your care. And Lord, those situations that you've just put on our hearts, Father, we're asking, we just say to ourselves once again, quiet, be still. We see you there with us in that thing. We see you in it. We picture you in it. We invite you in it. And we thank you, Lord, that you will perform that which concerns you. Amen.